I am Scott Newland. excited to sit down with with people like you scott that you, you have a bubbling personality uh and you're the 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 desire to serve the lord is evident and so i'm excited to hear your story today and well, thanks for being here it's a pleasure to be here to talk with you today and share a little bit about my testimony and upbringing and what god's done in my life yeah so. So let's start it off. The first question is, what was your life before you accepted Christ? Well, when I was growing up, I always believed in Jesus from the first time I heard that he died on the cross, but I didn't know what it was to have a relationship with him. So before I eventually had my relationship with Christ, I uh, was into sports and trying to find a real purpose in life. Uh, I had a good childhood, even though we didn't have very much growing up. Uh, I could share the stories of walking miles when we were kids to get to places. It wasn't uphill both ways, but I still, we did a lot of walking back then. And So uh, did your family have a vehicle or, I mean, just one vehicle or how did that work? We did, but... Uh, you know, if I wanted to go do things with other kids, uh, you know, my parents weren't able to always drive me to places. I either had to find a ride or I walked. And oh, wow. so. Now, did you live in a small town or where did you grow up at? Yeah, it was a little little town called New Somerset, Ohio, and it was a backwoods country town like just a small so, amount so of not, people. Not a whole lot's too close together. <laughs> no. Uh, Nearest neighbor neighbor was probably about a quarter mile away, so okay. it wasn't too bad. Um, we didn't have running water when I was growing up. Wow. Uh, it, the people in my neighborhood, you had to have a well or you didn't have anything. And, and believe it or not, at that time, we couldn't afford a well. But uh, So we went to a nearby spring, and we would haul water and oh, wow. stuff. Yeah. How would you, I mean, like, what would you use to do uh, that? We had anything from glass milk jugs to 10-gallon uh, cans. Uh, I can remember as a kid taking a bath in a number 10 tub. Uh-huh. That's how I took a bath at night. We didn't have running water in the so house. So was that, like, outside with the tub, or was that no, inside? No, it was actually, we would set it up in the living room, and, you know, you know it, everybody else would be out of the way, and I would get take my bath and that's how we did it so we, we don't know how blessed we are do we nowadays because no. you know i was really glad when i got into high school in sports because you know you got to take the showers and stuff so i was yeah. able to from that time on take nice showers so for me back then it was a privilege to be able to take a shower yeah sometimes we lose the value of things like that like how hard it was, you know, like that. I, I can't imagine. Was that like an everyday thing or once a week thing that you'd have to collect water? Or how uh, often? I guess whenever you needed it, right? But probably two or three times a week, we would have to go fill up the water jugs and stuff. Wow. And uh, uh, because that's how my mom, 
she either, we either collected rainwater or we used that water also to do laundry. And believe it or not, most of the time I had clean clothes on. Um, I didn't have the best of clothes. I wore what my parents uh, uh, bought me to wear. They bought me what they could afford. And I can remember I got my first pair of Levi jeans when I was 14. I had my own job. I was greasing some trucks at a trucking company. Uh-huh. And um, I had to sign a when work you, permit. When you say grease, what, what does that mean? Is that uh, uh, the, the... Just with the grease gun, you go in and, okay. and, and grease all the fittings on the okay. truck. And uh, so I was fortunate to be able to do that. And I bought myself, I, I would uh, pay for my haircut that way and and buy some of the better jeans and things like that. Yeah, so what did your dad do for a living then? My, my dad was a tractor mechanic uh-huh. uh, and and he was a little bit older then, so he was kind of, he was a little bit uh, sickly at that time. He was going through some stuff, so we didn't have a lot of money, but uh, we made the best of what we had. And I still, looking back, there's nothing I feel bad about. I, I don't feel bad about my upbringing. I was adopted. Uh, uh, my real mother had one son, and uh she didn't feel like she could have another, and so she um, uh, let my dad adopt me. And so uh, up until I was like five years old, it was just me and him. And then uh, when he got married to my stepmom uh-huh. for the first few years, I thought she was a witch. But it was, <laughs> it was really the truth was I was spoiled, man. It was yeah. me and my dad, you know, yeah. and then— and then when uh, so she came So just you and along, your dad, I mean, he, he brought you up. What yes. what point did your stepmom come into your life? Uh, I was about five years old okay. when she came into my life. And, and you know, uh, she really did take good care of me, though. It just took me a while to realize uh, Warm up to what her. I needed because uh, I was a little bit spoiled with me and my dad, and, and she was not going to let me live that way. Uh, she showed me real quick that I had some responsibilities. I, I remember going into the second grade. I would get up in the morning and take care. I would feed the pigs, uh, uh, feed the horse. Uh, at nights, I would pick grass for the rabbits. And, and then she always had her way with that. I would go out and have a gunny sack. I'd have to fill up the gunny sack, and I would fluff that up. Get air into it. Get that air going, you know. And then uh, she would grab it and look at it, and she'd shake it down. Shake it down and see how how, Get get back out there. uh, You know, she was one that I could never pull the wool over on. (laughs) But it sounds like you you worked a lot. I mean, you went to school and you worked after school. You you did a lot to help out the family, huh? Yeah, so I had my share chores around the house it wasn't something that was depended upon i uh, didn't get an allowance for it i mean that was just my responsibility and uh, and like i said looking back i don't regret any of that i felt it it uh, established some good things in my life and character as far as working and doing things like that um well, going back to where you you said you accepted Christ at a young age, I'm taking it that you went to church, or did your parents go to church? Or 
Well, no, I, I actually, I didn't accept Christ okay, at the you young knew age. I was. just knew, okay. knew who he was. Okay. Uh, I went to church one time. Um, my family didn't go to church, but I went with uh, the neighborhood gang one time up to church. And I remember coming home, and I was young and naive. I was probably, like I said, in second or third grade, and I took the Lord's name in vain. My dad heard me. That instilled in me at that young age the fear of God because yeah. he told me what I did because I didn't realize that I had done anything wrong. And so even though we didn't go to church, we had a family that did pray some, that did believe, but uh, like I said, we didn't know what it was to have a personal relationship with the Lord. So let's talk about when that happened. So that did, that, did you say that happened in high school that you had that? moment where you decided to accept Christ? and uh, Actually, it was after I graduated okay. high school. Uh, I went through high school. I was in love with sports. Uh, I would make deals with God, uh, <laughs> like probably all kids did. If you help me do this, I'll serve you. Yeah. you know? But I didn't know what it was to serve God. And I remember um, to get to the state in wrestling, I, I remember telling God that I would give up some things if he would help me do good. And my last, my championship match before I went to state was against a guy that I had beaten twice throughout my wrestling history, but it was always a down-to-the-wire match, like five to four. And I remember before I went to that tournament, I had a dream, and I pinned this guy in the yellow suit. And, of course, he was from Springfield, and that was their color, brown and yellow-like, or brown and a light gold. But uh, So we were wrestling, and he did something, and I ended up getting on him and pinning him. And oh, it wow. was, was kind of neat. It was a neat experience. So and you were state champion? That, no. Oh. Uh, first match I had at state was against state champ the year before. So oh, okay. he beat me. Uh, but I ended up getting third place in the state. That's so still great. Yeah, I felt pretty good. I, I was the first one in our school to do that. Wow. And then, um, but yeah, up until that time, I still hadn't really made any decisions to serve God. I mean, I quickly reneged on my part of the deal, uh, you know, like most of us do it from time to time. But uh, that was probably, and then. Before I came to Christ, uh, my parents, uh, right after I graduated, they moved to Marietta. They had uh, got a home here in Marietta, and I decided to stay in uh, New Somerset because I had gotten a job working for a China company. And um, so what I would do is I would go out at nights and do what the other people did that graduated from our school. We would go out to the bar. I'd mainly go out to shoot pool and stuff. And I just started feeling like life has to be more than this. It has to offer you something more because I saw guys that graduated 10, 15 years ahead of me that were still in the bars doing the same thing night after night. And I thought, I don't want to do that all yeah. my life. And I, so what I did is I thought, well, maybe I need to just move back with my family. So I, I, came down to Marietta one weekend, got a job in another uh, uh, 
China factory. It was over in Williamstown. It was called American Bisque. And so I put in my time up at the uh, up at Sterling, China, and I moved to Marietta. But I basically started doing the same stuff. I would go hang out, you know, downtown shooting pool, trying to meet people and stuff like that. But I still had that empty feeling. And I remember my dad and I, we were watching um, Charlton Heston. He was playing the movie The Ten Commandments. And I was watching that movie with my dad, and I was sitting there, and I was thinking, I was thinking, now there's a purpose. I said, I would like to have a purpose like that. And I probably, for the first time, heard the voice of God. I I believe it was God. And something said to me, why don't you go to church? And I thought, where am I going to go to church? I, I had no idea. I was new down here. Yeah. And um, so I ended up, God worked all that out so that I uh, found a church. And uh, So you took the initiative to find a church and everything. Well, uh, the insurance man, I had to get insurance on my car. And the insurance man went to a church in Williamstown. Uh-huh. And he was telling me about his church. And I thought, well, you know what? I'll, I'll try that church. And, and that it's kind of an interesting story. Um, the day before I was going to go to church, I was out with my friends that I made. You know, we were out driving around, and they wanted me to make a beer run. And I was like, nah, I'm going to church in the morning, and I only had a couple dollars, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give that money to God. And oh, that's so cool. that's that's what I did. And so at what point did you decide, okay, I'm I'm – I'm going to make that change. I'm going to make that. What were the circumstances leading up to you um, making the uh, I was already in the process of making the change because I knew that I didn't want to be the guy that I was being. I didn't want to be the guy that just spent his life hanging out in clubs and running around and, and, and doing stuff. I wanted to have a purpose in my life. And I really believe that... With God, I would have that purpose. And so uh, it didn't take long after going to church that I made a decision to follow Christ, and then I was baptized. But an interesting story, and this is probably one of the funny things that happened. You know, it was embarrassing at the time, (laughs) but it was now when I look at it, I laugh at it. So the first Sunday I went to church, it was Communion Sunday. And remember, I said I was going to give $2. I had $2. I was putting that in the offering. So we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, they're passing this tray. And I see the tray comes to me, and I look down, and I said, man, what's that cookie doing in there? So I threw my money on the cookie. Everybody else is probably wondering what's going on here. The next lady that took it, she just brushed it away and broke off a piece of the cookie and ate it. Well, that was nice of her. She didn't bring attention yeah, to it. She they probably thought, on. man, this guy needs to get saved. You know? so well, that's, that's really. That's when I gave yeah. my life to Jesus and, and uh, started a new walk for myself. Yeah. So uh, describe some of the valleys you've walked through during your time right now. Um. You know, I've been through many valleys in my life. Uh, one of the first ones was uh, when I was 14, uh, I worked for my uh, stepfather and uh, one of my brothers, and I won't get into that story. That would take too long. I had 
big family. Everybody was family, you know. And uh-huh. but I would go up to Pennsylvania and I would work in the summer and I saved up enough money to buy a motorcycle. And one day I was out on the road and I was making a turn and it was the last thing I remembered. I could remember a guy squeezing my leg and the bone had came out of my leg where he hit it oh, and wow. he squeezed it back in. And what happened when he did that, it shut off the blood to my foot. And so when I was at the hospital, my foot was turning black, and there was people praying for me at that time. My mom had, you know, our prayer warrior family. Uh, We had some, uh, my grandma and some of those that they were prayer warriors, and they were praying for me. But one doctor wanted to amputate my leg and another doctor, he was getting ready to go on vacation and he canceled his vacation because he said, I think I can save it. So he did a procedure and, you know, and he did save my leg. I have a nice battle wound to show everybody. Sometimes uh, my, my family, they love it. But I used to be embarrassed by it, but I'm not anymore, you know, because I realized, you know, God literally, I could have lost my leg then, and I was able to go on and still play sports and yeah. do all the things that I wanted to do. That's what and I was so thinking. Was, what a tremendous thing that doctor was supposed to be on vacation, but he decided to cancel it so yeah. he could help you out. Yeah, and I mean, you know, it was still a valley, but it was a valley with a positive, you know. Oh, yeah. A lot of times when you come out of that valley, it's, you know, you get into the good the good things. And, and you know, and then uh, I went to Bible college uh, when I was about 19. I got my um, uh, theological degree, uh, bachelor in theology. And, uh, I came home and I was still single and being a Christian, I wanted to get married. I, I knew I needed a wife, you know? And, and so, uh, this girl come along and I kind of just took the first one that come along and, <laughs> we, and, and nothing against her. I, I mean, but it was not God's choice for me. So you kind of tried to jump the gun a little bit, maybe. Well, I thought, you know, hey, may not, if I pray and if I do this, God can do anything. So I just went at it that way. And it ended up being a bad marriage for about 10 years. I remember uh, one day we were driving down the road and she looked at me and she said, I don't know that I love you anymore. And I looked at her and I said, you don't. I said, we've been married for 10 years. You've been in and out of this marriage. And I said, you know, I know you don't love me. Mm. And so, but... Uh, I'm sure that's hard to take. It, it was hard to take, but it, it was, uh, you know, that's what happens sometimes when you don't listen to God. But God still gave me favor. You know, yeah. he brought someone else into my life that's been a blessing, that's been a help meet, that, uh, it's been a friend. And, uh, so, so I'm thankful. I don't, I don't look back. I don't have any regrets about things like that. You can't go change the past, but where I'm at now, I just want to keep like, like how Paul said, I want to keep pressing on to the mark. You know, yeah. I want to do what God's called me to do. Absolutely. Um, describe some of the mountaintop experiences that you've had with Christ. Uh, there, 
with Christ, the mountaintop is always when we're in that spot with him, when we're hearing from him, when we're, we just feel his presence in our life, like on a daily basis, you know, that's the mountaintop I love. I love, like, I love the story of Enoch, how he walked with God. Yeah. And, that, and that's what I want in my life. I want to be able to walk with God. If I had my druthers, I would stay on that mountain and never come off. But I've realized that those valleys that we've had to go through, a lot of times God's allowed us to go through them to cause us to trust him more. And, and, and that's what happened with me. You know, I would, when I went through the valley, you either had to give up or you had to get a hold of God and ask him to renew your faith and give you strength. And, and as we'd start trusting him, you know, as I would trust him, he would bring me out of the valley back onto the mountain. And some of the neat things I've had even here at Porterfield is like when I work with the junior high kids in Sunday school, I'll share a scripture and this has happened on multiple occasions. I would share a scripture or a passage that would just come to me while I was teaching my lesson. And then Pastor Mark or you would share that same scripture from the pulpit. And my wife would just look at me like, <laughs> <laughs> she was like, <laughs> well, that's just like, God, right? Well, it's not, oh, yeah, yeah, it's how God yeah. is. It wasn't yeah. nothing I did or anything like that. Well, that's I want just, to tell you that you do a tremendous job teaching. You and your wife both uh, uh, do a great job teaching the junior high class. Uh, I know my kids have really benefited from TV and the teacher and, and invested in them. And, it, it's and all, I appreciate that. Yep, it's always been a blessing to be able to do that with the kids and talk to them about the Lord and get them sharing. Usually from when they come in that class in junior high, they're not very talkative, and I kind of gear my lessons to get them to talk. And then once some of them get to talking, to, <laughs> okay. <laughs> That'd be my son, Isaiah, not, not oh, Isabella or you Xavier. You know what, I love Isaiah. <laughs> Xavier and and Isabella, you know, they've all have unique personalities, and it was just fun being able to teach them, you know. And and it was like uh, the last time after COVID when I, I didn't think I wanted to do it anymore. And and when you asked me to, I was like, well, I'll pray about it. And, and I thought, but you know, I was glad I did. I yeah. was really. Uh, uh, ornery people and in course Isaiah and I've had some ornery I love them's my favorite because yeah. they're like that they're like drawn to me I don't know if it's like <laughs> <laughs> they see that same orneriness you know <laughs> say hey I like this guy I don't well you know, know a lot of times you know strong leaders are are a little ornery aren't, aren't yeah. they yeah. I've been ornery a few times <laughs> I, I've, I've seen that I, I didn't want to say that today but you know I thought about that um you know, I just want to, you know, is there anything else that, uh, as far as funny moments in your life that, that were things that you shared about the offering plate, but anything else that was kind of like something that made you laugh or joyous times that you've had? Okay. Here, here's something that I think it, it's one of the, another one of those things that you can look back and laugh about. Uh -huh. I remember when my oldest son turned 18 <laughs> and, um, he, um, come in the house and he was kind of ornery. He, but he looked at me when he turned 18, and he kind of stuck his finger out at me, and he says, I want you to know something. He goes, I'm an adult now, 
and I don't want to be treated like a child anymore. I want to be treated like an adult. And I said, okay, well, I want you to know something. My children live here for free. Adults pay rent. Yours is due Friday. And he knew I meant it. And so, so years later, jump ahead a few years, my other son, Corey, so he knew the story, but I remember when he turned 18 and he walked up the steps and we were sitting in the upstairs living room and I said, Hey, Corey, how's it feel to be an adult now? And he says, I'm not, I'm daddy's little boy. <laughs> so he I, learned the lesson there, didn't he? <laughs> so I thought that was a, one of the funny moments. Yeah. Yeah. Tremendously. And there's been a lot of them, you know, just little things over the years that, uh, but uh, without going into all of them, uh, well, we'll share the story too. I mean, it's not it's not just a. I mean, it is kind of an interesting story. It's not necessarily funny, but just the fact about your brother. I mean, uh, I think that was interesting because he didn't know he was your brother, right? Because right. he was adopted too. Can and you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So, well, my brother actually lived with our real mom. Okay. And I was, uh, he was a year year and a half older than me, and. Uh, and and she was a single woman. She, you know, that's why she didn't feel like she could raise two kids. And thankfully, you know, there was someone there that were friends of hers that said, we'll raise him, you know. But my dad told me when I was about 10 years old who my real mother was. And so my real brother, we both played little league ball, and he, we were in a tournament weekend and it was kind of where a bunch of teams gather and he was there and people were looking at us and saying man you guys look like you could be brothers and I said well that's because he is my brother you know and he was like no I'm not I'm not his brother that's that's my aunt Joanne's godson you know he, he didn't that's the story he had got he, he didn't know but yeah. uh, so I was like and it was funny because we were both wrestlers but we were just in transition. We, we hadn't really started wrestling yet, but uh, I said, well, let's have a wrestling match. And whoever wins the match is telling the truth. And I beat him that day. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, he never really, uh, my senior year in high school, they, uh, his stepdad that uh, his mom had married, uh, finally told him, him and uh, one of my stepfathers. I had a couple stepfathers, uh, like I said. It was so a, his, your mom didn't tell him? No. Uh -huh. She was, I, I think she was embarrassed. She uh -huh. wanted to try to, you, you know, she changed her life. She she wanted to, mm -hmm. you know, be able to move on, and she didn't want to bring that up. I think, I don't know if it was hurtful to her or what, but, uh, but. Then him and I had a great relationship, and then and, 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 and you had an influence on his life too, right? I mean, yes. I, I know that he probably went to church and and did that, but I mean, you no, you were we, a positive influence on him. When we first met, uh, he wasn't going to church, and little by little, uh, you know, we my wife and I we would do things with him, and uh, we would talk to him, and. You know, he started going to church, and then for years, I mean, our relationship, it was like God reestablished that brother relationship. And it was funny how the wives would always, man, you two are too, you two are just alike. Yeah, just alike, you know. <laughs> And well, and, and so we, we had a little bit of wit, and they didn't like our wit, you know. 
Well, I don't know. Sorry to to you know to talk through this with you, but I know that he passed away not too yeah. long ago. Yeah. And he, I, but I'm really glad you guys had that time together. I, I am too, and and like I said, he was like uh, we could talk any time throughout the week. We would call and we would talk about the things of God. And the good thing is, is I know he left this earth as a Christian, but I I know for two or three weeks I was probably more broken than I'd ever been in my life that I can remember. I mean, I, there was probably days that I just would cry. And, and I'm not usually the crying type person, and but I would just cry and just, uh, you know, but uh, but I understood and, and, you know, it's one of those things that you don't know why it happened, but it happened. And so. I'll just ask you now, uh, what were some of the blessings that God's blessed you with? Uh, well, he blessed me with my second wife. Uh-huh. And my kids. Are we allowed to say her name? Or? Yeah, yeah, we'll say her name. <laughs> I didn't know if we were trying to keep her private. Or I, call, I call her Lizzie Sharon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, and she's a few years younger than me. <laughs> but that's okay. I like that. It You're okay keeps, with that. Keep, keeps me being keeps young. Keeps you young. Huh? Keeps me young. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, and then, you know, we had two wonderful children there. And we also, we had lost a child uh, coming into the marriage uh uh nicholas uh uh he uh, had got that e coli and that's right how old was he he was three when he died oh wow but uh you know we can tell you just some things that he did i remember he was laying on the bed with his mom and and all and he was really sick and all of a sudden he looked up and he pointed at the sky the ceiling he says mom do you see it do you see it and he was he knew he was going to be with God. Oh, I awesome. was kind of worried that he was not not that that's a bad thing. That's where we all want to go. Yeah. But yet your kids, you know, you want to keep them here as long as you can. Absolutely. But anyhow, I remember when we were sitting in the hospital, I was holding his one hand and Sharon was holding his other hand, and all of a sudden he just took our hands and put them together. Oh, wow! And, Three and, years old. Three years old. He knew yeah. it was, it was and, God and, with him, and right? To I me, mean, it yeah. was just, uh, it was me. He was telling me, it was like he was telling me things that he wouldn't say to others. Like he would say, Daddy, I wish I could come home and play ball with you and stuff. And, and you know, and I had people, the doctor, oh, everything's great. It's no problem, you know. But, you know, he did. He died and he went to be with the Lord. And, and I told my wife, and, and we had such a, peace that day that he died such a strong presence of god it's it's just like i can't even explain it i i mean i've felt his presence i've had his peace in my heart but that day it was like he had his arms wrapped around us saying it was going to be okay yeah that's so a, so the sickness how long did that how did that transpire? I mean, as far as when did he uh, probably start getting a sick? A couple months because they didn't know what it was uh-huh. at first. It was one of those things that you thought he just had the flu and it was going to go away or something. And then, So that was your and Sharon's and first child? Uh, yeah, well, that was the child that, yeah. that she brought in that, that was my son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, well, my son 
soon as he met me, I was his daddy. In, oh, in okay. Other words. Yeah, he I would see. tell he would tell his mom that that's my daddy, <laughs> and so that made me feel pretty privileged, exactly. you know, special. That, yeah, that uh, he uh, loved me and and uh, accepted me that quick. Well, I can tell you, you're a good good dad, and I know Sharon's a good mom. So yeah. I know well, that I know that's. Yeah, kind of I, one of your probably your joys is is raising kids. It is. I I can get a little hard on them sometimes though, but I think that's what dads are supposed to do. Yeah, I, I think we got a little bit of but, license. But I am, there. you know, I am proud that uh, you know all three of my kids right now are making. Uh, two of them's made decisions for Christ a long time ago, and my oldest son has been, you know, coming back to where he's, you know, he started going to church. He's getting his life straightened out. He went through some difficult times, but now he's, you know, headed back on the right path. And I always think about that scripture. You know, when I was trying to train him up as a child, the other, his mom's side of the family was, you know, they took that like I was brainwashing him and, you know, they didn't. They didn't like to speak about Jesus. They said they believed in God, but they didn't really like to talk about him. And so um, me and him, uh, we spent some time together uh, after his mom left. And, uh, and you know, he gave, us, he gave us some fits down the road. But I remember the day he walked in the house and said, um, I pray that you'll forgive me for all that we've done, you know, the, all that I've done. Mm-hmm. And he's just totally, I'm just proud of him. I remember one time we were arguing and he said, he said, when I get big, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to rub that in your face. And I said, son, you can never do that. All I want for you in life is you to be happy and successful. And, And to me, successful is having God in your life, having a family that loves you, you know, Money's important, but it's not the most important thing exactly. to us. It's it's having that loving family and and a loving savior. So, yeah. if I can ask you, who who were some of the people that have influenced you along the way? Maybe godly Christians or people that um, you know, just like you said about the insurance guy that kind of introduced you to church or invited you to his church. Were there other people like that? The first real introduction i had to a that there's a living god was my grandma the the life she led she was always faithful she um she didn't have a license couldn't drive the church and i saw her many times standing there in her driveway waiting for someone to come pick her up it could be raining snowing it didn't matter she was faithful to god and because of that, and we talked about God a lot. She would tell me about the Lord and different things. Uh, she never asked me if I wanted to have a relationship with him, but she introduced me to him, and that's how I knew. I knew by her walk that God was real, and uh, and I was glad when I was able to find out that we could have a, a life-changing relationship with yeah. him. So just seeing her integrity and how she was committed, and, and how her share hear her share about God probably yeah. planted those seeds along the way. In it did. Yeah. That was most of my seeds. Now, like I said, my dad and mom believed in God, but he wasn't an intricate part of our family. Yeah, you know, kind like, of 
kind of like at, a, now, at a distance, it's like, arm's length. I would not want a family without God there. Yeah. You know, I want God to be first and foremost in our home and in our relationships. And and I think that, that if you want a successful relationship in life, it's got to be with God. Absolutely. And so I did have other people that, you know, I, I was up, I, like I said, I used to go up and pump gas for my brother up in, uh, and my stepfather up in Pennsylvania. And there was this guy witnessing the people on the street one day. And I went out just to listen to what was going on because they were all talking. I was about 16 then. And he was telling them about his relationship with Jesus. And they were kind of making fun of him and stuff. But I kind of admired him. I was yeah. like, man, I hope I can be like that guy because he had a purpose. And, you know, I spent my whole life, and I don't know if it was because I was adopted or what, but I needed to have a purpose. I didn't know my purpose. And God made that. Uh, you know, it wasn't until coming to God and having a relationship with him that I had that sense of purpose Yeah, that was real. So if you could just kind of, if, if you could have people take something from your life, what would you want them to say about you or think of you when they thought of Scott Newland? What would you want them to take away? Well, other than being ornery, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I would like to think that people see Jesus in me. You know, I know I'm not a perfect person, but I know I'm striving to be more like him, desiring. That's my heart's desires to be more and more like him. So I think if they can take that away and that, through my trials and through my struggles and pains and heartaches, I still have faith and trust that God is there for me. And, and so I hope they can see that and maybe want that for their life. I, I just like that guy up on the corner at the gas station that day that was sharing about Jesus. I, I hope when people talk to me that they can sense that, you know, Maybe the God he serves is real. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what we want, right? We want people to take away that they we know Jesus, right? Yeah, so, amen. Um can you know, just another question I have for you is how is has the church or how has the church helped you grow? Well, um in many ways, I mean the church of course you come, you hear the word of God. Uh but my reasons for coming to church is hearing the word of God, worship and praise. I love to praise God and fellowship. Yeah. Fellowship over the years, whether it's in the church or out of the church, has helped me grow more. I remember when I was young in the faith, most of the people that were my friends that I had close companionship with were older men and women in the faith. And that helped me have that desire and that hunger to have God's word in my life and that I would walk according to his ways. So uh, church has helped me like that. I mean, I remember one time, and I, I don't want to get off track about church, but I remember you always hear the person that says, well, I haven't been to church for a while. No one's called on me. I tried that with God one day. I said, yeah, well, Lord, no one's calling on me. He said, well, why don't you go to church and call on the people that aren't coming? So he's always been able to set me straight like yeah. that. And I love that because that's that's the correction that we need, you know. So 
real quick ab- about coming to Porterfield. Uh, I remember it was about 15 years ago. Uh, our kids were at Vacation Bible School, and we came that Sunday. We weren't going anywhere per se at the time, but we were having a little bit of home fellowship, and I decided that that was the best way to do it, and so I was at home. And I remember coming in, sitting down, and I looked around at all the people. I saw the <laughs> clock on the thing, you know, and just the, uh, all that was started, going on. Started forming some of your own opinions. <laughs> I looked at my wife, and I said, this isn't for me. <laughs> and that was that was 15 years ago. Yeah. And I'll tell you what's kept me here and inspired me to stay is the fruit that I've seen in a lot of people here at church. I, I've seen people that truly walk out their faith, not just in words, but by the things that they do. I see the fruit of the Spirit. At one time early in my faith, it was important for the gifts. But then I realized later on how much more important almost is is the fruit be evidence in our life and so that's what's blessed me the most that's what's kept me here and that and some people that i know that love god yeah i really appreciate your whole family and i want to tell you i mean you're serving as a deacon uh you're a part of the stephen ministry uh I, i know that there's a lot of things you know junior high teacher sunday school teacher uh, I know you've been a blessing to Porterfield as well. And uh, thank you for being one of those that we can talk about because you're one of those that are evidence of your faith is being played out, you know. Uh, I consider that a privilege and an honor to be able to be whatever service that God wants for my life. I want to be able to do that and be thankful. You know, I always tell people I don't like to try to open doors. I like God, God knows what he's doing. And I've learned I'm going to trust God and just allow him to use me how he wants. And and sometimes that's in little ways and in big ways. I know my wife has said many times, I, I said, I don't feel like I'm doing enough for God. She says, because you don't see it. And she could see what I couldn't see. And, yeah. and so that's why it's a blessing also to have a spiritual wife that loves God, that can see things. Because when you do have them moments of, whether it's self-pity or wondering, is God ever going to use you? Someone says, can't you see what he's been doing? Yeah. And so and, that's and I think privilege. a lot of times we don't see the, the impact we have till years later. Yeah. You know, you don't know what seed you're planting now for 10 years out. Yeah. You know, especially like investing in younger people like junior high kids. And, uh, you may you may see down the road how some of those lessons have impacted them and they've taken it on and, yep. and grown. Uh, you know, yeah. and I've seen some of them grow. And, you, you know, I I remember Isabella, she came in and she was the quiet one. But she was meek too, though, and had a sweet spirit. And now I just see her on fire for God. She's been on fire for the youth and doing all that work. And, and it, and whether I did or not, I don't know. It doesn't yeah. matter. But maybe I had a little bit of yeah. impact there too. Well, you know, <laughs> like I, I shared uh, the other night. I, I still have a, a Bible that my Sunday school teacher gave me years mm. ago when I was a little kid. Uh, I think that you know, being in fellowship, like you said, with other believers, is a big thing to help us grow. Yeah. You know, spiritually. 
Uh, well, I appreciate your time, but I want to want to hear one more story because okay. I heard the story. I remember you sharing it about you outrunning some some of Corey's friends. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen anymore. Well, but, uh, what, how old were you when this uh, happened? It's I mean, probably fifty. Okay. Yeah. Well, so one of the, the boys, story, yeah. a neighborhood boy, um, a Cantley boy, uh, he, uh, I told him I'd race him. And he, he said, I'm not going to let no old fat man beat me. I remember he said that. We took off. We, we raced for 50 yards, and I left him in the dust. And he was fast. But, of course, now I don't even – I'd be afraid to run 50 yards. But but it was funny. If if we would have raced 60 yards, I would have probably been laying on the, the asphalt up there at the There track. wouldn't have been enough gas in the and tank. There wouldn't have been enough gas in the tank to carry me that far. But I used to do that with the little kids, you know. I, I love to get out there and race. Hey, I, I never grew up. I stopped watching cartoons, I think, when I turned 40. So, that you know, having a house full of kids, you had to. Yeah. So I enjoyed it as much as they did, so. Well, that's a tremendous testament again yeah. back to that surgery of your foot, right? Because, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have been able to outrun and teach Corey's friend a lesson, right? Uh, yeah. I still probably have a little bit of limp in my light leg because it's a little bit shorter than the other leg. Uh -huh. But it's still I've been able to do everything I wanted to do, and this leg doesn't give me any trouble. So Wow. So uh, yeah, And that was definitely. 14 when that happened? Yes. Wow. And on a motorcycle? Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything else that you wanted to share or think about a story or a time that maybe you didn't get to talk about? Um, I think the only other thing, uh, you know, I wanted to share was the things that uh, uh, help us to stay on the right path and grow spiritually, you know, and I take it from a diet. And, and if you've been overweight in your life, you've tried all kinds of diets and usually diets work good as long as you stay on them. Mm -hmm. But once you get off it and it's the same way spiritually I've seen in my life and in other people's lives, when they would stay in prayer, stay in the Bible and stay in fellowship and do that on a daily basis, they would start growing and mm -hmm. they would start experiencing the peace of God in their life. But just like a, physical diet when you quit doing that all of a sudden you start drifting back to where things become a struggle again so what i've learned to help my life is no matter how i feel or no matter what i'm doing i need to stay in stay in the word stay hang out with god's people absolutely fellowship and uh come to church praise and worship i come with expectation i want to come to church and sense the presence of God. He says when two or three are gathered in his name, he's in the midst of us. And that's a powerful thing. And I know there's a lot of people gathered in his name here. And so, you know. By the way, that makes me think before we close here that maybe we should highlight that, that we you, you started a prayer ministry here at the church on Wednesdays at noon. Uh, do you want to share a little bit about that, about what it's entailed and what we're what we do then? Yeah, that, that kind of happened with an attitude. <laughs> no, really, I was. I remember the deacon meeting that night, and I decided I wasn't going to come. I was going to just hang out at home. And, and I already I told my wife, I said, Dad, don't feel like going to the deacon meeting tonight. And I went upstairs, and all of a sudden I felt the Holy Spirit prompting me to go to the 
to the deacon meeting. And I said, okay. So I got dressed and she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the deacon meeting. <laughs> so I go there and, and it was funny because you were talking about small groups. And this was when I decided, well, why don't we have a prayer group that meets once at least once a week here, prays at the altar and prays for our church and our nation and stuff like that. And you looked at me and says, you ready to start it? <laughs> I said, okay, God, I opened my mouth again. That's all but right. There, there was a divine appointment that you were supposed to it be was, at that meeting. You and, know, God was teaching me. It's yeah. like, you know, you want to be careful. That meeting or that thing that you miss when you know you probably should have went might have been a divine appointment for you. So, yeah. So, well, I appreciate that. I think it's been going really well. And anybody's welcome to come, right? Yep. So if Absolutely. you'd like to come, we meet on Wednesdays at noon. Wednesdays and at try noon to keep around an, an hour. hour. Yeah. It's a great time. And I know that uh, I've enjoyed uh, the fellowship with the people that come regularly for prayer. And, and, and you know, we've witnessed God do things. Yep. I remember, remember a couple of weeks ago, uh, a lady came, and I won't mention her name, but her power was out. Yep. And she was kind of discouraged, you know. And we prayed and I remember, and I think we prayed, and I was believing God. I wanted her to go home and find that power on. And then I got that text, and I was like, wow. Yeah. She went home, and that power was on. You can say that was coincidence, but I believe it was wow. the power of God. Yeah. You know? and, and, and I think we've seen greater things. And God, I think we're going to continue to see greater things because of, and that's what we want to encourage everybody, just to pray, whether they yeah. pray and can join us at church or they can pray at their home, be, be in prayer, right? Yep. And, you know, for me closing out, uh, I guess uh, we can have bad times in our life even now. We can have good times, but, you know, the best times is when we're trusting God. Absolutely. As long as we trust God, we know that he's able to bring us through every trial, every struggle. And, you know, if we'll just receive him, yep. he, he's there for us. Absolutely. And that's he's been there for me more times than I can count. Well, I really appreciate you joining right. us today, Scott. Thank you. It was you a did, pleasure you did to a be good here. Job. All right. wasn't well, too painful for you. No, was it? it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're, you're a good communicator. You, you did well. Well, I, I like listening to your story. I, I like hearing about you. So I thank appreciate you. it. Same, same here. Thanks.